that when uh, the Malachim, when the angels came to visit Abraham, remember Abraham had just had a circumcision, he was not feeling very well, um, and he was sitting outside, he was talking to God, and these angels came. Um, one of the first things that he asked them to do, do you remember? Before they would, he would allow wash them to their feet. wash their feet. Why? Does anybody know why? Right. So he assumed that these people who were coming were Arab, were Arabs, whatever that meant in those days, right? And uh, and that they um, that they worshipped the sand, okay? And so he wanted them first before they came into his domain to wash the sand, which was their foreign sort of like their foreign gods, to wash that off of their feet, okay? And so. Um, the concept of washing, because if you remember last week, we said that if a person can't wash their whole body, they should minimally be washing their face, their hands, and their feet, okay? So um, the idea of washing our feet kind of mimics this reality of Abraham asking the Malachim to wash their feet. And what does that mean for us? That we also, when we're washing our feet, quote unquote, we should be thinking how we also want to wash away all of our foreign gods. How does that translate for us? I think all of us can think of that uh, on our own, but anything that anything in our life that that would be counterintuitive to, to what Shabbos represents, okay? So anything foreign to relationship with Hashem, to the connection that we can have with him on Shabbos is something that we should be washing away. So again, it's not that we're just physically washing ourselves, but we're also going through a spiritual process. We spoke about, you know, doing tshuva on Erev Shabbos, right? Examining our deeds, checking our pockets, right? It's not just to make sure we don't have any muksa, but it means to lemashamesh at the gadav means that we should be checking our our actions are we traitorous right we said the word gegen means to be a traitor are we doing anything that's traitorous in terms of our relationship with god okay so there's a spiritual transformation that's going on here okay and schwartz goes on to explain that we're really washing ourselves sorry um we're really cleansing ourselves in the area of he brings down these particular three areas the maase which is which is speech and machshava thoughts okay so I want you to think for a second ladies think about the different halachot about Shabbos in terms of what we are not or allowed to do or not allowed to do on Shabbos they're going to, on some level, parallel these areas, meaning the things that we are, we're kind of, I guess the things that we can't really engage in are sort of atoning, okay, and allowing us to cleanse ourselves in these areas. So think for a second, how are we atoning for, or, or cleansing ourselves in the area of mass of actions? What do we, what do we have on Shabbos? Okay, what's kind of guiding us as far as what we are allowed and not allowed to do? The, malachot, 39 the 39 malachot. malachot. Okay, so when we are learning the 39 malachot, right, and we are engaging and understanding and refraining from engaging in these 39 categories of work that we're not allowed to be doing, that is allowing us to cleanse ourselves in terms of our mass and in terms of our actions, okay, because the malachot are generally active, you know, action related, okay, in terms of Dibor, anybody know halacha? <laughs> Right. Yes. Meaning we're not supposed to talk about things on Shabbos that don't have anything to do with Shabbos. Okay. So that is definitely halacha. Okay. And in terms of machshava, how are we, we, I think we mentioned this last week. We're going to talk about it more today. How are we supposed to enter into Shabbos? What are we supposed to be thinking about? What's our mindset supposed to be? 
remember that everything as all of our work is done. We're supposed to enter into Shabbos focusing just on the task at hand, right? We're not supposed to be worried about, well, you know, the, the report I have to do or the, the bank, you know, that I have to deal with or whatever it is. I have to just focus on, on Shabbos, okay? So um, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in detail in a little bit. But those are the three areas that we're really cleansing ourselves, okay? So now let's go on and talk a little bit about the next idea, yeah. Does that also apply for like people that like study for tasks that are after Shabbat? Right. So th- this gets more into the like nitty gritty halacha, which I don't know that I'm competent to answer. It, it's not so clear cut. I've always learned like if it, if you're studying for like a chumash test or something that has that's Torah related, then it would be okay. You know, studying for a biology test or whatever might not. You know what I mean? But you can ask your local Orthodox rabbi if this comes out. Okay. Um, Okay, the next thing, which I, we actually, I showed you last week, but I'll just show it to you again on the first page uh, of the booklet that I just gave to you or that you have from last week. Um, it says, again, mitzvah on the side, going this way. This is from the Shulchan Aruch. Mitzvah lirchotz hagakol gufo v'im yavshalo yirchotz panav yadav We said a person should wash their whole body, and if they can't, they should minimally wash their hands. They are face, their hands, and their feet. Bechamin in hot water. Be'ar Shabbos. Umitzvah lachof harosh. You should wash your hair. You should shave. I mean, presumably talking to men. Um, and you should cut, you should trim your nails. Okay. So there is such an idea to trim your nails on Erev Shabbos. Okay. Um, so why? What is, what is, what does this have to do with, why, why is that an important component? So I'm going to bring down two ideas for you. Um, again, more spiritual ideas. So bear with me, but after the sin of the Eitzhadat, right? After the after Adam and Chava sinned by the tree of knowledge, right? By the sin of the Eitzhadat. So what happened to them? <clears throat> Basically, beforehand, again, we don't really know what this means. Okay, so again, we take this with whatever grain of salt you can, but they had some kind of, they were almost like wearing a garment of like pure light before they sinned, okay? And once the sin happened, that garment was taken away from them. Um, and what they were left with was, it says in the pastor, footnote or, okay, which I guess literally means some kind of leather, like some kind of, you don't really exactly know what it is, but some kind of like, I don't know, what, some kind of garment, okay, made out of leather. We don't, we don't know exactly what that is. Okay, but there are Mepharshim who tell us that what this footnote or was, was actually, um, some kind of layer of skin that like resembled nails. You heard yes. such a thing before yes. that we were covered with nails. I, I don't know if it was actually fingernails, but it's something that resembled, uh, it had a sheen on it that resembled nails. Um, and so the physicality of this new garment, meaning beforehand, this, it was a garment of light, okay, which was no longer there. It was purely spiritual. Now, because of the sin, they are covered in this more physical layer of some kind of garment, okay? And it was really there to remind them that, you know, sorry, but now you're mortal, right? You're not going to live forever. Beforehand, they were meant to live forever. Now that they sinned, they were now uh, mortal and they were going to eventually die. And the Kabbalah tells us that this nail-like covering that they now had, that they now had on them was kind of reminding us that we have this perpetual struggle between the eights are told and the Tahara, so to speak, meaning the physical and the spiritual. Whereas before the sin, right, the Mechzam Yahu, Rav Dessler describes, you know, what was their 
what was their challenge like? You know, should I do a sit or not? It was like, should I put my hand in a fire or not, right? For most healthy humans, it's not really an option to put your hand in a fire. You know that that's going to burn and it's not a good idea. Um, and that's how clear it was to them how detrimental and damaging it would be to go against the Ratzon Hashem, to do something, to give into their desires. It was like putting your hand in a fire. Once they sinned, the Tahara now became more internal. It was almost like he they ingested it. Like beforehand, it was something external. So they were able to like sort of see it more objectively. Once it becomes part of you, you all know what that feels like. You know, you know that it's not right, but you're going to but you justify it and you're like, oh, it's not so bad, right? It's not a big deal. Like we somehow, now it doesn't, it's not so clear to us anymore, okay? And that that sheen that they had, this new physical sheen garment that they had was a representative of this internal struggle that they now had on a daily basis, okay? And so uh, this is something that, you know, as we enter into Shabbos, <laughs> we're entering into the space of Bruchnias, right? And so we sort of want to cut away, you know, that layer of, you know, that, or that reminder that we're, that we're constantly in this, in this struggle. Okay. And we want to, you know, sort of have in mind that we should just be able to connect um, spiritually. Another, another idea is that nails really are dead matter, right? When you cut, when you cut your nails, it doesn't hurt, right? They're not really alive. Um, and so they represent those parts of our lives that are dead, so to speak, meaning what? Things that have stopped growing spiritually, the parts of us that have stopped growing spiritually, whether we're talking about, uh, you know, unhealthy relationships, right? I'm sure all of us can probably point to at least one person in our life, you know, where we have an unhealthy relationship. Um, we need to think about, you know, why do we still have this relationship? Maybe sometimes we have to, but we have to really engage in that relationship in a way where it's not going to bring us down. Let's think about the bad habits that we have, right? All the dead matter in our life. Okay. The things that are really holding us back from growing spiritually. Okay. And so when we're cutting our nails on our Shabbos, we sort of want to have in mind that Hashem should help us be able to remove, you know, take the steps that we need to take in order to remove all of this dead matter in our life, the things that are holding us back from really progressing in a spiritual way, okay? Um, because when we're engaging in these things, we can probably all attest, when you're engaging in these areas of your life that really aren't helping you grow spiritually, they really drain your energy. And um, we don't want our spiritual, we have very limited spiritual reserves. We don't want them to have to be trained, right? I'm sure we all know what it feels like to have a, like a toxic, like sort of like a bad relationship in our life, you know, someone in our, whatever, whoever it might be. You just like, when you deal with that, it's just like, oh, you're still dying. Like you can't, like, it's just, it's very, very draining. Um, and so again, we want to try to um, reserve our spiritual energies for, you know, positive and healthy things. Okay. And so Shabbos is really an opportunity for us to kind of experience life before we lost this light that we had at the very beginning of, of time, okay? And so cutting our nails is like removing all the lifeless, dead negativity that surrounds us, okay? So that's another thing that we can keep in mind when we are cutting our nails, okay? The next, um, the next idea, and I don't know, men really love this one, um, it's called Toameha Chaim Zahu. Can I erase this? It's actually a past, it's actually a quote from um, Shmon Asrei, okay, that we say on Shabbos, Toameha Chaim Zahu. What does the word Ta'am mean in Hebrew? 
to taste, okay? To um, like you will, you know, the taste will will allow you to merit life, okay? Technically, what it means. Um, so exactly. So you know, you all have wonderful husbands. That's like their favorite part of Eric Chavez to go around and like taste all the food. Really, it's supposed to be. Like the women can do that to make sure. Why do we do that, by the way? Just on a technical level. You want to make sure it's it's spiced properly and whatever. And if you need to fix anything, you can fix it before Shabbos. Okay, that's technically why we're doing it. Okay, but there's obviously, as we said, there's spiritual components as well. Some guys really take this far and they sit down with the whole, you know, they, they need to really make sure that the food tastes good. Okay, but um, so let me just show you. Uh, this is a very, I mean, this is a very famous idea, so it's good for you to see it inside. Um, so this is on page three. Uh, it's a Gemara. It looks like this. It's right in the middle. It's like towards the, the middle of the page. Uh, it has an underline underneath. So I'm our Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish. Everybody heard this idea before? We get a neshami yisera, right? An extra neshama on erev Shabbos. No tina kodesh baruch hu ba'alim. So it's ulamotei Shabbos nochlonotohimenu. But on on motei Shabbat, it's taken away from us. If you look at Rashi on the side, it's also underlined. So Rashi says, what is a neshami yisera? Rochav leiv lemenucha v'lesimcha v'lihiyot patuach lervacha v'yochal v'yishta ve'enaf shokatzala. This is very interesting. What is the neshama yisera actually? What is it? It's an expansive heart. It gives us the ability to sleep, to rest more, and to be besimcha, and to be open for uh, for spirituality. Okay, lervacha. To be open for for a lot of, I guess, a lot, just a lot of stuff. Okay. Um, you can eat and you can drink and you don't get nauseous. Like you're not disgusted, right? We can all think about how we eat on Shabbos. Like we would never ever eat that way during the week okay how do we manage to put that all in there right the soup and the fish and the salad and the meat and the dessert and and even the ability to have challenge at like 10 o'clock in the morning you know like who would ever eat like that on a regular day um so the neshami yatera is actually what allows us it's pretty amazing that this is what rashi's telling us that's what allows us to eat that way on chavez that's what allows us to take that three hour nap if I ever try to take a three-hour nap during the week, I don't know. I can never do that during the week. But on Shabbos, somehow you just, I don't know, maybe it's the challenge. I don't really know. <laughs> but somehow you just close your eyes and you're down for the count, you know? It's hard. Maybe it's also just because you don't have anything else going on. You don't, you know, it's like quiet and like you don't have things distracting you. You don't have your phone ringing or whatever. Um, whatever it is, just to understand that there really is such such an idea. Okay, so... So this Nishami Sarah is this extra spiritual energy, okay, whatever it is, I don't know how else to explain it, that allows us to kind of transcend the limitations of our five senses, and we can taste a little bit of the essence of the next world. Yeah. What do you, what, what do you make of the fact that it's just from Rish Lakish? Rish Lakish, I mean, he was the, the time who brought this down. I don't I don't know that much about him to be honest, like to be able to to go down that road, but we can maybe we can talk about that out of class. I don't I don't know that much about him. Um but in any case, uh, so again, Shabbos is what brings bracha into our physical world, okay? So Shabbos is a day where the physical things that we have in our world are really uplifted. Um Example, like we said, the food and the drink. Again, you know, you eat that chalent or that potato kugel or the gefilte fish on Shabbos. 
it doesn't taste the same during the week, mm-hmm. right? You heat up the leftovers. You can't, I mean, I don't know about you. I can't, you can't even eat. Who eats the most of it after that? My husband does, I don't know, because it's in the fridge. So he doesn't want to throw it out. So I'll eat it. But like, you know, on Shabbos, you sit down for lunch, you know, you, you have a time for it. But on but during the week, it just, it just doesn't, it doesn't taste the same. Nothing ever tastes exactly the same. Okay. So that's why we're saying when we're cooking food on Arab Shabbos, you want to taste it to make sure that it's spiced properly. Um, and it's allowing us to prepare ourselves. Uh, you know, within our limitations to be able to connect to the limitless bracha of, of Shabbos, okay? So that's where uh, that mitzvah or that idea comes from, okay? And so the last point, uh, no, that's not true. Two more things. Uh, the last, One of the last things that we're going to talk about is what we said before, like we said, we want to go into Shabbos thinking to ourselves as though all of our work is done. And that's a very important component uh, because, I don't know, this really struck me once. Remember, somebody came for Shabbos and I think her iPhone, like she was on the train and her iPhone got stolen, you know, and she like tracked it in some guy in the mall, you know, it was like one of those things where like, she, and she was on Shlokas the whole Shabbos. Like she was so, you know, before Shabbos, excuse me, that, you know, where is it? How is it? And then, and she couldn't do anything if Shabbos started, right? And then it was over. Like, where is it? How is it? How am I going to get it? What's going to be? She had to like literally shut her mind off, turn it down. Okay. Because there was absolutely nothing she can do. You know, when something like, when something like that happens before Shabbos, where, you know, it's like very clear. What? Usually it happens before Shabbos. Usually, exactly. (laughs) Something crazy happens before Shabbos. And it's such a struggle, you know, because you really have to tamp that down. Okay. And so, um, you know, think about, you know, the world before Shabbos was created before the before Hashem went through the six days of Rishit. The world was Tohu It was complete confusion. If you remember, we even said last week that if it weren't for Shabbos, the world would revert back to a state of Tohu Bavahu, or would revert back to a state of complete and utter confusion. Um, and so the six days of the week we are, we're surrounded by hardships, we're surrounded by confusion. And, you know, to the degree that it's really difficult for us to see Hashem in the day-to-day life, right? Sometimes the world, you know, all this stuff that's going on in our life, the, the distraction, it's just, it just masks the fact that God is the one who's, who's doing everything, okay? And Shabbos is a day for us to sort of take that mask and say, okay, Hashem, I see you, right? I know it's you. Um, I'm not, I don't have my phone. I don't have anything else, you know, to, to distract me or pull me away. And so it dispels this notion of tolavohu. It makes us see things much more clearly because you know what? I'm not engaged, you know, hands-on in the world today. And yet somehow it still manages to exist. Sometimes you feel it even more in like a three-day chag. Okay, for those of you in the States who still have to keep a three-day chag. Every so often we have to do that here in Israel on a Rosh Hashanah, that's three days, but Shem should spare us because it's not enjoyable. Um, but I'm saying after a three-day chag, right, there you are for three days in your little oasis, right? And you turn on your phone and you, you check the news and you're just like, wow, the world went on without me. Even though I wasn't able to do anything, it's like pretty humbling if you think about it. Um, and so um, when we have Yishavadas, meaning when we have sort of like a, a sense of like tranquility, a sense of peace, right? It's easier for us to see that everything comes from Hashem. And that's what Shabbos is supposed to allow us to do, right? We're shutting ourselves out from everything else. This Yishava Das is, is there to help us be able to focus more on the fact that I'm sitting at a table on Friday night with God. We're having, we're having a nice meal together, okay? There's nothing else happening, okay? And to enter into Shabbos thinking that all of our work is done, 
okay? This removing all of the worries of the past, the present, the future. Now, what's interesting is that this is not only just talking about the physical things, the, the, the reports and the bills and the this and that. It's even referring to spiritual things, right? Sometimes we're very anxious because we know that we have to work on ourselves, our needles, something spiritual that we're struggling with. And, you know, we think, oh, and it follows us into Shabbos. He, there's an idea that this is also part of the of the, the protocol that we're not supposed to think about that either. Meaning what? I'm preparing. I'm preparing. I'm preparing. Right. I have a big meeting. Right. I'm going to to, to be in front of the. I don't know. I'll say a king because that's always the mashal, but we don't really know what that means. But I'm preparing. I'm getting myself ready. And then what? When I when I'm standing before the king, it's just like, okay, like whatever. It, that's how I sometimes with Shabbos, you walk into Shabbos and you're like, whatever's done is done. Whatever's not done is not done. And that's it. There's nothing else I could do about it. Right. I prepared for this presentation. Right. I walk into the meeting. Whatever I did, I did. Whatever preparation I did, I did. Whatever studying I did for this big exam, I did. And whatever's done is done. There's nothing else I could do about it. And that's the mentality we want to have when we walk into Shabbos, meaning I've done all my preparation. I've done what I could. And now that it's here. I just have to like remove all the doubts and anxiety because there's nothing else that I can do. Okay. And that is that, that goes for also the spiritual component as well. Okay. And so um, I want to show you inside. If you look on in your booklet. This is. Yeah. Page. It says on the top. Uh, okay, it says on the, it's page four. It says page four in the bottom. Okay, so all the way down on the bottom. This is a, a little piece from the Sifsi Chaim, a Chaim Friedlander. He's the he was a Mashiach in Panavish, and he has a set of Torah called Sifsi Chaim. So this is a little snippet from from that Sifsi. Okay, so it's on the bottom of the, of the page. Ki'ilu asuya, right? You're supposed to go into Shabbos thinking, Ki'ilu, what does Ki'ilu mean? Very, it's a very, uh, you know, well-used Hebrew word. You ask conversation with Israelis, right? You're the Ki'ilu, Ki'ilu. It's, it's like, when we say like, 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 it's, it's a very similar. Okay, Ki'ilu means like, as though. Marina Rabbeinu HaGaon Rav Deslo's at Sal, Perash HaAmor V'Lashon Chazal, Ki'ilu. So Rav Dessler is telling us, we have to raise ourselves up to reach this level, to understand that all of your work is in fact and indeed done. Shabbos is what grants me, it bestows upon me this perspective. That is what the commandment of do all your work means. What is my work? Meaning, what is our job in this world, ladies? I feel like we've talked about this in other classes too. What is our mission? What is our job? Not really our mission, but what is our responsibility in this world? Our responsibility is Ishtablut. I have to put in my effort. Why? Because Hashem said so. That's why. It doesn't do anything really, meaning. Whatever's supposed to happen will happen, whether I put in my hishtadlut or not. But for me, I need to put in my effort. That's what my mulacha is in this world. So that, uh, you know, what happens? A person should should be, should be suspect, right? Should doubt and they should say, but what if I stop in the middle of my work? Right? What do you mean? I'm right in the middle of something. How, are you, how do you want me to stop? No. 
that's already John's, that's already God's business, okay? Your job is to put in your Hishbabas. He says not to do this on Shabbos. You're stopping in the middle. Okay, that's you're not your Inyan anymore. That's God's Inyan. That's his that's his problem. So when Chazal are telling us it should be in your eyes as though all of your work is done, it's not talking about the result of what you of, of your um of your actions. Because why I'm not the generator of the actions. We all know that I'm not in charge of the results, right? Human beings are not in charge of the results. Ella al hamutal But I what am I what do I what am I being called to task on, right? What is my malacha? Only on that which I am responsible for. Only uh, only on that which is my again, my responsibility. which is just the effort. It's not the result. This, ladies, is a hashkafa, not just for Shabbos. That's what he's trying to teach us here. This is, you know, the, hash, the, the hashkafas that we have going into Shabbos are supposed to carry us through the rest of the week. So when we're going into Shabbos, what are we trying to ingratiate in ourselves? This is the a mentality we should be having all week long. It's not just on Shabbos, but all week long, that we have this mentality that what is my job? My job is to do my malacha, okay? I did mine. I do mine, God, you do yours. My job is to do the hishtadlas. The end result is only in your hands. It has nothing to do with me. So when I am able to elevate myself and I really have this understanding and recognition that God created the world, and this creation is constant, everything is in God's hands. All I have to do is, there was a decree of a gezerah, a decree of hishtabla. That was part of the consequence of Adam and Chava, the sin. We have to, right? You have to make money, right? You're going to eat bread by the sweat of your brow. That was a decree. That was not, that was a curse. That was not the way it was supposed to be. Okay, so that's a decree. If I'm able to stay, I know during the six days of the week, I did everything that I was responsible for, meaning I did whatever his jobless I needed to do. The, the result is going to come from Hashem. No problem. You shouldn't start thinking, maybe I should have done more. Maybe I should have sent that another resume. Maybe I should have done this. Maybe I should have done that. No, it's you have to, we want to try to get to a point where we train ourselves to feel that the hishtalas that I put in is enough and I don't need to do any more and I shouldn't. And if it doesn't work out the way I wanted it to work out, I shouldn't then go back and think retroactively like, oh shoot, I should have done more. Had I done more, I would have had different results. That is a completely off hashkafa. You understand that is completely anti-amuna because that's basically saying that I'm the one that's generating the results. And, and that's not the truth, right? God is the one who's generating the results. So this concept of going into Shabbos is there to teach us this hashkafa. It's there to really ingrain in us this hashkafa for, for, for our life. You won't think to yourself what will be. What are the results going to be, etc. Because all of the results are in God's hands. I have nothing else to add and I have nothing else to worry about. 
This is very important. God bless you. Going into Shabbos, you know, sometimes, right, we can think to ourselves, the cynical part of ourselves, okay? Going into Shabbos, thinking, is like, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. I know it's not all done, right? And I'm fooling myself, right? It's self-deception. He's saying here, going into Shabbos, is not self-deception, okay? What it is, is it's a level in, in faith. It's a level in trust in God. Self-deception means I'm fooling myself. Deceiving myself. One second. Right? What it really is, I'm not, I'm not fooling myself. What it really is, is that I have this emuna and this understanding, okay, that God is the one who's generating the results and not me. Okay? Yeah. Um, this is no. Uh, he's bringing in the name of Dessa. Yeah. So the Sifte Chaim is, this is from the Sifte Chaim, but he's quoting the Dessa in his statements. Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's just crazy because it's like, this is this like response system. It's like what people are doing in like modern times now. Like they're just, when people are trying to get over their anxiety, like not doing anything, not worrying, it's wild because Look, Torah is always ahead of its time. I know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you think mindfulness is a new thing? You yeah. know what I mean? Hold on, yeah. Hishtadlut <laughs> means to put in my effort, to put in my, I, I'm just putting in my effort, that's it. I'm, I'm trying. Hishtadlut means to try. Okay, so, you know, again, Rav Dessler has a whole piece on how what's how much established do I need to put in, how much effort, and that's going to vary from person to person, etc. But the goal ultimately is to get to a place where I can put in minimal hishtabut, right? I don't have to put in as much effort. You know, I'll, I'll, one second, Jamie. Like, I'll give you like one very quick example. Like, you're going to a Chinese auction. Anyone going to a Chinese? It's a very Jewish thing. Okay, what Chinese auction. A Chinese auction is where you have like they're 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 giving away. You know, they have prizes, and you want to win the prize, so you buy tickets and you put it in. Oh. And then they, okay. So the difference between saying I want to win this prize, I'm going to put in one ticket because. You have to be in it to win it. That's it. I just need one ticket. If God wants me to win, as long as my name's in there, that's all I need. Versus like, no, I really want to win this. I'm going to put in 50 tickets. You yeah. understand? And then everything in between. So that's that's a very big difference of level of emuna, right? The person who's putting in one says, look, I have to put in my minimal status. There you go. If God wants me to win, I have just as much chance of winning as the person who put in 100 tickets, right? And then you have a person who's not as lofty in their amuna, and they have to, you know, they still, they're, they're still not sold on the fact that their efforts are actually making, you know, causing the consequences, right? And so, you know, the goal in our amuna is to really have this mindset of meaning I did mine Hashem, and now I'm not even thinking about it. It's all up to you. Okay? Yeah. I was going to say on that note, you kind of answered it, but is there a point where maybe we can say like Hashem wanted us to do more? Hashem wanted us, we could have done that more resume or we could have done that. I mean, you can blame it on Hashem if you want. Not like, no, I'm saying you, I'm, I'm being facetious. Yeah. You know what I mean? If that makes you feel better, well, God really would have wanted me to do. No, you know what I mean? God wants me to do enough. Okay, I mean, this is a whole other topic, but the sure. bottom line is God wants me to do enough Hishtadlis that first of all, in the natural world, Nobody would be like, oh, that's miraculous. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, how did she do that? She didn't even put a lottery ticket in and she won the lottery. Like, mm -hmm. no, that, that's already like too much. No, yeah. we have to put in something, enough established that in a natural world, people could say, yeah, yeah. But that also that I, that I, that I'm comfortable, that I'm not going to start 
you know, retroactively thinking, oh, I should have done more. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that's the point where we need to really work on ourselves. The more ishtadas we feel we need to put in, that's the point where we really need to work on our own mind. Understand? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. The last, the last piece that I want to share with you, which I think is, I mean, for, for most women, it's not super practical. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think it's a very beautiful idea. So this is from a pinkest. It's all the way at the top of this page where it says Shabbos Makata in the top. Okay, this is from a safe from Absorption Pinkest. It's a cloud Shabbos Makata, which is a very beautiful safer, um, all about Shabbos. Um, part of it was, um, there's a book in English, which I mentioned to you, which is not in the library. If anyone has it in their apartment, please bring it back. Um, mm-hmm. On Shabbos, Nefeshim Shon, it's one of theirs. There's a book. It was A lot of it was translated, but not all of it. Anyway, so let's read together, okay, at the top. So by the Hasidim, he said there's a very special there's a special inyan, so to speak, to take a nap, to sleep a little bit on Arab Shabbos. That's why I'm saying it's not so practical for women. Although I guess it depends on your setup. Okay. A person who does not sleep on Arab Shabbos, so when they're going on Friday night and they're having their meal and they're sitting at their Shabbos meal and they hadn't rested, it's as though they're eating a weekday meal. That's what the Carlina Rebbe could say. How you know Ezra said that Shabbat? It's not, it's like not having a real Shabbos meal. In your Maspa Pasuk, Shamor et Yom HaShabbat Nakachel. Right? We've all heard that before. This is in the Asar Tadibro, the Ten Commandments. Shamor et Yom HaShabbat Nakachel. What is Shamor? To be Shomer Shabbos. What is to be Shomer Shabbos? Guard Shabbos, right? Protect Shabbos, whatever, right? That's how we usually um, translate it. Shamor et Yom HaShabbat Nakachel. Hainu Shabbat Yom HaShabbat Tarikhla Amor Ahamishmar. How is he explaining it? What is a shomer? Anybody know what a shomer is? A guard, a guard right? So it, it means to guard Shabbos in the sense what? It's active. I'm actively on mishmar, meaning I have guard duty right now. Okay? I have guard duty. Sarich la'amor ha-mishmar. I have to stand on guard duty. The shomer ain't on your top of mishmar toe. I am guarding Shabbos, ladies. When you're, okay, if you hire a guard to guard your restaurant and there you walk out and they're sleeping, okay, <laughs> they are not getting paid, right? You're firing them. It's over. We are, the, we are guards of Shabbos, okay? So if we're falling asleep on the job, okay, that's a very, very big problem. We're not supposed to fall asleep on the job. Who wants a guard that's falling asleep on the job? Okay, Elamechian at Smokodem. Okay, the shomer ain't on your job right? A shomer does not fall asleep on his watch. What does he have to do? If you're a night guard, what are you going to do? You're going to sleep during the day so that you can stay up in the night. Be yishan the flame You're going to rest before you are up. Okay? Bahamuvan hapashut. On a simple level, simple meaning. Hinei ba'erav pesach. Mishtadlim harov lishon nefachot ma'at betzarayim. Kedei shalol laheradim balel hasteda. Right? Pesach comes. Ezrat Hashem, Right? It's Arab Pesach, again, not so practical for, for women, but we at least try to get our kids to take a nap, right? We try to get, we try to rest a little bit, okay? That's why this year when Shabbos was on Monday Shabbat, it was, it was beautiful, right? Because we got to rest on Shabbos and we were all able to partake and, and be up, right? And, and awake for, for the Seder, okay? But everybody gets that. Or Arab Shavuos, right? On, on Shavuos, right? Oh, you want to stay up at night and learn? What do you have to do? You need to take a nap during the day. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to stay up. We get that. It makes sense to us. We don't think about that really when it comes to Shabbos. Okay? Why? Because the nature of a person is that they 
are working during the day and they're sleeping at night. So when you have to do the opposite, you know, you're thrown off. Usually we are eating in the evenings, taking a nap, going to sleep so that we regain our energy for the next day. That's generally how life goes. About kasher mizamein, so when it does happen, that you have an opportunity, something comes up where it's in the evening specifically that you have something important that you need to do, then the whole Seder, right, the whole order gets turned on its head. Now you want to sleep during the day and you want to be able to stay up at night. So we said, this is the test when, when Erev Shabbos comes. Ladies, how do we view Shabbos? Do we view Shabbos as a special opportunity for us to be able to um, engage in being elevated and, and spiritually connected? And this is like, wow, what an unbelievable, amazing opportunity for us, okay, to reach high, lofty levels in holiness, if that's how you're viewing Shabbos, okay, then it's going to take a little bit of effort to be able to achieve that, to be able to, to grab onto that. So your, your whole day is being spent thinking about how am I preparing myself for the upcoming event that's, that's happening this evening. And you're going to prepare yourself by sleeping. And your head's not going to be heavy, right? I mean, I don't want to judge anyone. I get it. Like, you know what I'm saying? I really do. But when you sometimes in shul, you know, when you're watching the men, you see like, you know, in the middle of Kabbalah Shabbos, they're like half asleep, you know, someone snoring, like, Again, I understand people are working and they're busy and it's tough, but that's, it's not, and I'm not blaming anyone. He's just pointing out a sensitivity that I think is very, very beautiful and very special. One second, let me just finish, Mina, and then, okay? So, but if you see Shabbos as the opposite, right? I don't see Shabbos as an opportunity for spiritual elevation and connection and holiness. What do I see it as? What do I see it as? Oh, I finally get to rest after a hard week. I get to eat a nice meal. I sing some songs. I say a nice cute Torah. This doesn't take a lot of effort. Okay, it doesn't take a lot of effort to do that. But you know, Matricha Chanarab, it doesn't take a lot of preparation. Your eating is just, it's a meal. It's an evening meal. Of course, it's not a regular weekly meal. Okay, the real understanding of what a Suda of Shabbos is, is, is lost in this situation. Okay, so again, this is kind of the barometer. How do we view Shabbos? Do we view it as we're guards, right? We have enough, you know, we're, we're entrusted with this special mission, this special opportunity to connect spiritually, to elevate ourselves. So then it's going to take a lot of preparation. If I just view it as, oh, it's the end of my week. Let me just eat and sing a little bit and go take a shluff, right? So then I don't have to do much preparation. 
Okay, so I, no, again, no judging, no guilt, but I think it's just important for us to understand that this is the difference in attitude, okay? And so again, the last form of preparation that I wanted to mention is if you have an opportunity to take a little nap, it doesn't have to be a long nap. I think we all know sometimes that 15 minute cat nap is like, can do wonders, okay? So if we have the ability to, to rest a little bit before Shabbos comes in, it can, it can really be amazing. Yeah, Mina. So I understand where they get stuck but then, how do they justify sleeping on Shabbat or just sleeping on Shabbat? Again, the menucha on Shabbos is is something is something else. Okay, and we're gonna we're gonna have a class. We're gonna talk about menucha, what menucha on Shabbos is. Um, again, it doesn't necessarily just mean to sleep the whole Shabbos away. Okay, a person who's like sleeping a bagel, you know, as they say on Shabbos, like that's not, you know, that's not ideal at all. Okay, what it really means, and we'll see when we get to it, but. It means like if you're used to getting up for nates in the morning, like sleep sleep a little bit later and go to shul a little bit later than getting up for nates. That, that's really, you know, that's part of it. And yes, there is an idea to sleep on Shabbos, but it doesn't mean we have to sleep for four hours on Shabbos. So okay. Yes, this is talking about specifically for Friday night, okay, that we shouldn't go in like an ice bench, as we say in Yiddish, you know, and just like falling asleep in our soup, you know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah, okay. So. We are going to now move on to the next booklet, which I'm going to see right now. So put these away. Okay. Everybody have? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would see like you know, for Shabbos, it looks like you're not preparing. Like, like you're just sleeping, you're not working. Like, right, but you know, the goal, Rebecca, is to like, do your preparations early enough, right? So that you, everything's ready, the table's set, everything's cooked on the plot, you know, everything's ready, and then you're able to like rest. You shouldn't be resting while your house is in complete turmoil. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think that's what the point is. Um, thank you so much. Okay, so now we're going to talk about Kabbalah Shabbat, okay. Um, up to now, we've been speaking about the Hachanah for Shabbat. Now we're talking about Kabbalah Shabbat as Shabbos is really um, coming in. And the concept of Kabbalah receiving is actually very unique to Shabbos. Okay, we're relating almost, it almost sounds like we're relating to Shabbos as a person. Okay, which is very, very interesting. And the personality of Shabbos is really the Shechina. It's the Shechina. Okay, Shabbos is like the name of the Shechina. Okay, uh, the Shekhinah is like, I don't know, divine presence. I'm not really sure how you say it in English. Um, that's one of the ways that we understand. We talk about God, we call it the Shekhinah. And, and it's really like defined as, as being Shabbos, okay? Um, so when Shabbos enters, the oneness of Hashem really encompasses the whole world, okay? There's just God's presence just descends upon the entire world. Um, I don't know, I think about this, like, do you ever like, like you look at your living room, let's say, or your dining room on Shabbos, it just, doesn't it look different than during the week? 
is that weird? I don't know if anybody thinks I'm being strange, but there's something different about that. Like Shabbos is, and everything just has this, this glow. I don't know. There's something very special about it. It's not something you can even explain to someone at all, but you're all nodding. So I feel like, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. That's God's Shekhinah descending on the earth. Okay. Like there's a special, there's a presence here that's not here the rest of the week. Okay. Um, and again, generally a mitzvah is a command about an action. Okay, but in this case, this is we're like being commanded to be macabre, almost like this person with feelings. Like we're talking about, it's it's giving it a very, it's making it very animated. Okay, it's making it very like, um, again, like a person. Like it, it helps us really to understand what it means to to bring in to bring in a guest. Okay, um, so if you look at the the first page of what I handed out to you, I wanted to show you. There's a very strong comparison actually between. Kabbalah, the, the, the preparation of the Jewish people as they were receiving Hashem on Harsinai, and the preparation that we go through when we're receiving Hashem on Erev Shabbos. Okay, so I just want to show this to you on the bottom of the first page. This is in um, Shemot and in, in Parsha Pitro. So it's bracketed off. They read Moshe So Moshe came down from the mountain to the, to the nation and he sanctified them. Meaning they wash their clothing. Ring the bell, right? We spoke about washing clothing and getting ready, right? Putting on Shabbos clothing. Then they are being told, be prepared for three days. This was called the Shloshet Yemei the three days of, of like putting a gavul, so to speak, of, of defining ourselves, of separating ourselves. The men and women were not allowed to be together for three days. Okay, physically, intimately, they were not allowed to be together. They needed to be ready, okay, in order to receive the Shina. And on the third day, the morning came and there were kolots, there were uh, loud thunder and there was lightning and there were clouds that were heavy on the mountain. A sound, a uh, very strong sound of the shofar. V'yecharad kol am asher b'machanan. All the Jewish people were trembling. V'yotze Moshe et ha'am likrat et lokim. And Moshe took the Jewish people out to likrat, to greet God. Min ha'machanan, from the camp. V'yetyatzu b'tachit ha'har. And they all stood under the mountain. Okay, so again, hopefully this ring a bell a little bit, some of these things that we have spoken about already. Okay, but certainly that they had to go and change their clothing. Um, so actually, if you if you didn't put the other booklet away, it's actually the other booklet that we just used. Um, I want to show you the halakha. I don't think we read the whole thing last week. It's on the bottom of the first page of the, of the first booklet that I gave you. That's why, because there were other halakhot that we learned last week, all in the same shahanarach. Okay, you see the first page here at the bottom? Nochol Shabbos. So, um, we read the top. Okay, let's look at Bet. Okay, Aleph was about, you know, getting your table ready, etc. Bet, Yishadel, does everybody see where I am? Like the TV, everyone? Okay, this first page of the last booklet. Okay, all the way down at the bottom where it says Bet, Yishadel Shiyulo Begadim, Naim Shabbat. The person should have nice clothing for Shabbos. The Imir Sharlo, the Fachot Yishal Shel. Which means um, that if he doesn't have the money to buy special Shabbos, because now this is at a time when people dress differently than they did today, they wore like robes. Okay, the men wore robes. So they said, if you don't have money 
to buy something new just for to buy something different for Shabbos, at least let down the hem of your robe so that it's it's longer and it looks more more regal. Okay, to to make some kind of change so that it stands out for uh, for Shabbos. Um, okay, and since begadav lematz derech kavod, this is a way of honor. Gimel ilbash begadav hanaim. You should wear your nice clothes. You should be happy with the with the bringing in of Shabbos. Like you're going out to greet the king. And like you're going out to greet a, a bride and a groom. So Rabbi Hanina would wrap himself in a talus and he would wait yearning to, to greet the, the Shabbos queen. Rabbianai Omer, Boikala, Boikala, and Rabbianai would stand there and he would go out and he would greet the, the, the queen. You imagine, like, you know, in spots, right? They would go out, you'll hear about the audience, the mountain of spot, and, and that's why we turn around and we say, Well, a Shabbos, right? Because we're greeting the king. Okay, the queen. Um, okay, so. We're going to look at that in a second more in depth. What, it, what does that mean exactly? Um, but again, I just want to, to clarify. Okay, so again, in the first situation, we're changing our clothing. There is such an idea of wearing special Shabbos clothing. Um, and second is being ready, okay, um, and preparing myself to be able to, to bring in the Shabbos. It's actually very interesting halacha. The halacha says that if you're running in a public domain, on Erev Shabbos, um, and you damage something because you, in, your, in your haste, right, you don't have to pay, right? You're not liable for it. Why? Because it's, it's understood that on Erev Shabbos, everybody's running and going and doing in their haste to prepare for, for Shabbos. It doesn't mean you should be, you know, <laughs> whatever, don't take it to an extreme. But, but anyway, it's understood that people are running around to be ready for Shabbos, okay? And so um, I want to show you on the top, okay, of the first page that we just read, you know, the old booklet of the new booklet, right? On the bottom, we read from what happened before Matatora. So I want you to look at the top. And that's going to explain a little bit more about this idea of going out to greet the Shekinah. Just like Moshe took B'nai Yisrael, the Krat, right? We went out to greet God before Matatora. So again, we all know that this is something that we do before Shabbos. But there was a difference, a little bit of a difference of opinion. Okay, so look at the top. This is also from um, Rav Chaim Friedlander from the Sifte Chaim. That God blessed the seventh day. Why did He bless it? Why did Shabbos need a bracha more than the other days? You might have heard this before. Because Shabbos doesn't have a spouse. Okay. Right. When the first day came, it had a, it had a, it had a couple. It had Yom Sheni. Okay. Talta Arbaata. Yom Shlishi and Yom Revi'i were a couple. Chamisha, Arusa, Chamishi, and Arab Shabbos were a couple, right? Thursday and Friday, so to speak. But then Shabbos comes and it's all alone, right? Shabta, Leisle, Ben Zug, it doesn't have a, a couple. Tani Rabbi Shimon Ben Yochai, Amra Shabbos, Lefnei HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Vibona Shalom, Vukulan, Yish Ben Zug, Vili, Ein Ben Zug. So Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, right, said Shabbos went to complain before God. Obviously, you have to take this with a grain of salt. And said, whoa, man, it's not fair. You know, everybody else has, has a couple. Why don't I have one? I'm all by myself. And what does God say? Amar LaKadosh Baruch Hu, Knesset Yisrael, Hi Ben Zugecha. God says to Shabbos, don't worry, the Jewish people are your Ben Zug. They're your spouse, so to speak. Okay, 
Okay, and so God says to the Jewish people, by Harsinai kind of like reminding us, like, by the way, just want you to know that you are now coupled with, with Shabbos. Kainu dibor zachor et yom hashabbos So we have shamor es yom hashabbos akacho, zachor es yom hashabbos You guys are together. Remember that, okay? So now there are two different ways of approaching this, okay? Voi kala. Bechinat kala hibat zug hamekabel tashva'a. So there's a component of greeting Shabbos like it's a kala. Okay, like it's a kala, it's a bride. So how does that work? What does a bride mean in this sense? That he, the, the, the bride is waiting for its chatan to bestow, in order to receive from her chatan the, the, the uh, what's it called? To get shafa, to get flow, to get abundance from her, from her chatan. Shabbat kala, hamam tinalit kadesh So Shabbos is the kala. The kala is waiting to be under the chuppah, okay, when, when, the, when the chatan puts the ring on his finger, anybody ever hear what happens after he says, first of all, he's saying, right, you are mikudeshet to me. And afterwards, everyone says, mikudeshet, right? He was makadesh her, okay? He sanctified her, meaning he set her aside for him, okay, whatever that means, and all of it's spiritual, and we're not getting into any feminist stuff here, okay? <laughs> but he has set her aside. She is, she is now his, not his property, but she's his. She's an Ishat Ish, she belongs to him, whatever that means. Okay? So she got her Kedusha from him. So Shabbos is the Kala, ladies. Where is Shabbos going to get her Kedusha from? From her Chatan, which is us. Meaning what? We have to actively participate in this process. Okay? La'asot et ha-shabbat. Right? It says, we're, we're being told, la'asot et ha-shabbat. Do the Shabbos, right? Don't just sit back, okay? You have to be participating. You have to actively engage in this. Kedusha to Shabbat The Kedusha of Shabbos is dependent on you. Our part, right, is to sanctify our spouse. Rabbi Yada Yashav Vim Kamo, the Chika Kamo Chatan and its Apelabiata Kala, right? Think about a Chuppah, right? The Chatan is standing up there, right? And he is waiting for his Kala to come, okay? And he's actively yearning for her. He sees her coming down the aisle. He's like, wow, she's so beautiful, right? I'm so excited. And she's walking towards him and he's there enraptured and waiting for her to come so he can then be Makadeshar, okay? And that is, uh, that is this perspective. Okay, of how to receive Shabbos. Okay, um, so it says Rabbi Yanai would stand in his place, wrapped in his talis, right, being mitzapeh, waiting eagerly for the coming of the kala. The Amar boi kala, boi kala, right? Come, my sweet kala, I want to be makadeshi. Okay, so that's one perspective. Habachina hashniya, the second one that we read in the Gemara. Okay, Shabbos malchasa. So on the one hand, Shabbos is a kala. On the other hand, we have the concept of Shabbos Malchasa, where Shabbos is like a king. What does that mean? There's Malchus, there's royalty. Shabbat ba'ofen shel Malchut. There's a component of Shabbos that, that has a royalty component to it. Hamusag melech, mora al hashva'at midi. What does the concept of ruler of a king mean, right? Um, it means that I'm in a constant state of being mashpia, right? A king is now giving to his, I don't know, kingdom, 
Okay? He's in a constant state of giving to everybody. That's the king's job. My job as a king is to bestow on the people in my kingdom everything that they need. So now it's the flip side. There's one element where we are being Makadesh Shabbat, right? Like a Kala, right? And then there's another component where Shabbos is actually giving us Kedusha. Okay? And that's the second way of approaching Kabbalah Shabbat. Okay? And so you're cre- it's creating a framework for you to be able to see- to receive Kedusha, for you to be able to receive Menucha. And that was the second perspective. Okay, Rabbi Hanina, who would go out into the fields, right? And he would bring in the Shabbos because why? I want to gather all of the Kedusha. I know that Shabbos is going to be Makadesh me, as opposed to Rabbi Yanai, right? Where that perspective was, I be Makadesh the Shabbat, which is also true, okay? But there's also an element of me waiting for Shabbos to, to like allow Kedusha to descend on me. Is that is that clear? Mm-hmm. Okay. Did it, someone have a question? Did I miss anyone? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like a, it's one of these like uh, paradoxes. It's like the paradox of prayer where it's like Avino Volcano, right? Mm-hmm. Avino and Volcano are very, very different. God is a father and he's a king. I mean, those are two very different things. It's like almost two opposites. And so here also we see that there are two different elements. And so we see that we reconcile this by engaging in both. Meaning part of us is, you know, doing like Rav Yanai and we're, we're waiting to be Makadesh the Shabbat, right? We're standing there ready and waiting. And on the other hand, we're also actively going out to, to greet the Shabbos as well. So we are trying to, to, uh, to do both of those things. Okay. So 